Hello, and welcome back to The Vinyl Countdown, the podcast where I, Jeremy Levine, break down my favorite vinyl releases from from cover to cover and everything in between. Oh, man, it feels feels good to be back. I'm, um... I'm, I'm a little rusty, obviously, you know, fuck the intro up already, but uh, I've been taking some time away to get a bunch of other things done, uh, homeschooling kids, work, getting healthy, right, kind of doing all that good stuff. I may not be back, fully back, until August is what I'm shooting for, right, but I kind of got, the, like, the, the podcasting bug, I guess, and I really wanted to record an episode, especially on this on this record, because the record is uh, kind of weird, the pressing I have has some funny shit that I found out about it. And the song itself, too, has a pretty interesting backstory. So I uh, will start off with, uh, you know, I first heard this on The Muppet Show on the first episode on Disney Plus a month or so ago, I guess. Uh, it's a silly song, but it's super catchy. And once you hear it, you'll be singing it for weeks. Trust me. And uh, to think, it originated from a 1968 Italian softcore porn film. So <laughs> before we get into all that, let's get on down to Variant Corner. That was louder than I wanted it to be. Uh, so there's a lot to unpack here. Uh, Discogs has 16 listed. No different colors or, or sizes or anything. They're all seven inches, but from various countries, right? Now, what's interesting is that on the versions released in Spain, Portugal, and Germany, uh, they're the only three that actually feature the character that sings the, the, the main song on the cover, which, by the way, I haven't said that yet, but if you are wondering about the title of the episode, it's Mana Mana from The Muppet Show and countless other things, right? So Menomina is on the cover of only those three countries' variants, right? The other ones have Kermit and other characters with Menomina being very small in the crowd of background Muppets, even though he is the one that sings that song exclusively, right? Uh, The French version doesn't even have him on the cover at all, which is kind of an odd choice. So I picked up the German pressing because it was in good shape, uh, had the cover that I wanted, and the shipping was cheaper, like much cheaper than sh- shipping it from Spain. Uh, I did not see the Portugal pressing until tonight, uh, uh, until I, I researched it while writing the episode. Uh, that one would have been about the same price or even a little cheaper than one I got, but whatever the case, I'm happy with it, uh, and it has a pleasant surprise. The B-side is a Kermit the Frog sung, uh, song titled uh, Halfway Down the Stairs, or in German, excuse my bad German here, Die Stufe der Mittelmannbegack. Hmm. The funny thing is, it's sung in German, and it's most definitely not Jim Henson singing it as Kermit uh, in German, but the actor, I, I guess the actor they got for it is as close as they could get, but it is noticeably off from Kermit's actual voice. So uh, imagine my surprise upon hearing that. Of course, it was funny and kind of cool to kind of, you know, to have that version. Like, um, I'm thinking, you know, it, the title is maybe in German, but I, I don't know why I didn't think that they would they would have translated it to German for the German market. But whatever the case, it, it was like I think it was mine was like ten or twelve dollars. Um, they were anywhere from eight to fifteen. There's quite a few out there, so I mean, if you want a physical copy of it, there are plenty available. So I guess with all that being said, let's get into the songs. So, Manamana, it's a popular song by Italian composer Piero Umilani. Umilani. I'm going to fuck up a lot of names in this episode. Just, you know, heads up. Uh, It originally appeared in the Italian film Sweden, Heaven and Hell, or known as Sevizia, Inferno e Paradiso. Uh, It was a minor radio hit in the U.S. and in Britain, but 
and became better known internationally for its use by the Muppets and on the Benny Hill Show. So it first gained popularity in English-speaking countries from its use in the recurring cold open blackout sketch from the 1969-1970 season of the Red Skelton Show, first airing in October of 1969. Sesame Street producer Joan Gans Cooney uh, heard the track on the radio and decided it would be a perfect addition to the show. Citation needed on that. It came from Wikipedia, but whatever. Uh, It was then uh, first performed by Jim Henson. Uh, Frank Oz and Loretta Long on the 14th episode of the show. It was broadcast on November 27th, 1969. Now, the following Sunday, Henson and his Muppets performed the show, or performed the song on the Ed Sullivan Show. Seven years later, the song was part of the premiere episode of the the Muppet Show in 1976. Uh, Then, you know, so going back a little bit, in 1971, the Benny Hill Show, uh, in its second incarnation now at uh, Thames Television, where it launched in 1969 in color, implemented Mana as part of a comic background music medley that would run during their often filmed slapstick sketches. Uh, the medley became a Benny Hill show tradition for the rest of its run. So, about that movie that I mentioned earlier. Um, the film is made up of nine segments that focus on different aspects of sexuality in Sweden, such as lesbian nightclubs, porn films, the swinging lifestyle of married couples, and the sex education of teenagers. Um, The film also examines drug addiction, alcoholism, and suicides in Sweden. I found an article that I'll link to in the description from Slate.com detailing just how this song ended up on the Muppets. Uh, And also, I pulled quite a bit of what, what comes up next from that as well, so bear with me here. Uh, in the in the tradition of the shocking, factually questionable Mondo Kane, a film whose shock exploitation documentary style is credited with starting a whole new genre called Mondo Films. Uh, side note real quick, uh, in case you don't know, Mondo Films are a subgenre of exploitation films and documentary films. Uh, many Mondo Films are made in a way to resemble a pseudo-documentary and usually depicting sensational topics, scenes, or situations. Uh, common traits of Mondo films include portrayals of foreign cultures, which have drawn accusations of ethnocentrism and uh, or, or racism, um, an emphasis on taboo subjects such as death and sex, and stage sequences presented as genuine documentary footage. Uh, Faces of Death, for anybody my age or a little younger or older, is a very good example of that because, you know, as a kid, I remember it was kind of a weird, like, was it like, like a playground type of thing where the kids come to school and say, hey, man, I saw this this video, whatever, like they, somebody gets stabbed in the throat with a screwdriver, like somebody's eating monkey brains, oh, shit. And, you know, it's, then you watch it, and as a kid, you're like, holy shit, this is crazy. But then as you get older, you realize, like, wait a minute, they probably couldn't do that on film, like actual film. And then, um, you know, a little more research into it, turns out, okay, yeah, Faces of Death is all fake. But that's what a Mondo film is, right? So anyway... Uh, Heaven and Hell was styled as a documentary about Scandinavian sexuality, which provided a thin veneer of respectability for its leering exploration of lesbian nightclubs and meter maids who moonlight as nude models. Uh, In the scene where Aviva La Sona Svidisa, as the song was originally titled, makes its appearance, Menomina, I mean, that's the name of the song originally, Um, the camera follows uh, a bunch of... um, first swaddled blondes as they make their way through the snow to a sauna, uh, then cuts to the same women clad only in carelessly draped towels, giggling as they soak up the heat. Right? Fun. Uh, composer Piero Umilani's resume, I guess a CV, which includes the 1958 classic Big Deal on Madonna Street, but by 1968, he seems to have been more concerned with quantity than quality. 
Uh, Heaven and Hell was one of those one of eleven credits for him that year. He'd had a dozen the year before that, uh, but he was onto something with this brief, catchy snippet, which, when released as a single under the title "Manamana," made it to number fifty-five on the U.S. charts. The nasal, kazoo-like vocals of Alessandro Alessandrini uh, have the hallmarks of an instant novelty hit, which is to say that they're at once annoying and unforgettable. Uh, as Manamana climbed the charts, the fledgling children's television workshop was struggling to settle on a format for their educational TV program, Sesame Street. Uh, CTW co-founder Joan Gans Cooney, who I mentioned earlier, had recently given the okay to bring in Jim, Jim, uh, Jim Henson, whose Muppet characters had at that point been seen only in the commercials and on variety programs, again, like the Ed Sullivan Show. Uh, Henson, a bearded bohemian with no experience in children's programming, was something of an odd choice, but that was just what why Cooney wanted him. Uh, Manamana, as the character would come to be known, made his television debut on November 30th, 1969 on the Ed Sullivan Show. Uh, the setup is identical to the more familiar Muppet Show version with Manamana's uh, horse scat pitted against the dulcet of the twin snoths, a portmanteau of snout and mouth, which I'll get to later. There's some weird uh, name changes for that, too. It's kind of fun. But um, who shake their heads and purse their lips in disapproval when their <laughs> irrepressible colleague strays from the script. In Street Gang, uh, Michael Davis's History of Sesame Street, uh, several of Henson's colleagues describe his artistic style as, quote, affectionate anarchy. And it doesn't take much in the way of a uh, exegesis exegius exegius i don't know what that word is uh to see an anti-conformist message at work here as menomena's antics grow wilder the snoths grow more uneasy and eventually counterattack, smother him with their bodies and you know trying to quiet him and all that right and menomena eventually breaks free runs at the camera makes contact and shatters glass all that good stuff uh, a rough draft of the sullivan version appeared a few days later during the first season of sesame street here, the performers were not the familiar characters, but three of what Henson and his colleagues called, quote, anything Muppets, generic characters who could be fitted into any scenario. Uh, taking the place of Manamana is a scrawny puppet, scrawny puppet whose face is shrouded in scraggly black hair, his slim body encased in a striped shirt, suggesting either a stereotypical beatnik or a recent prison escapee. Given the time period of this late 60s, I imagine it'd be a beatnik sort of character, right? Uh, he was later given the, the name Bip Bipadada. The staging is more constrained. Uh, Bip doesn't duck below the frame only to zip back in from a different direction, nor does he throw himself around the stage with the same abandon as he had on Sesame Street. But it's the far less inventive voice. But it's the far less inventive voice Henson uses for the character that makes the bit feel uh, substantially less inspired. Uh, the conflict between Bip and the female anything Muppets is more subdued. The spirit of anarchy substantially diluted. Uh, rather than smashing the camera, uh, Bip simply walks off into the background, and um, he's more like a lonely playmate who's failed to fit in with his friends rather than an avatar of wanton chaos. Uh, given that Sullivan was a ratings powerhouse and Sesame Street a mere ch children's television show, it's not surprising that the former version was the one to catch on. In subsequent years, the number turned up in primetime specials by Tom Jones and Goldie Hawn, and was even replicated on stage in Las Vegas as part of Nancy Sinatra's show. So it wasn't surprising that when it came for time for Henson to launch his own show in 1976, a new version honed by years of practice turned up on the first episode. Uh, Manamana and the Snoths, uh, whose name had mutated in the intervening years, having been incorrectly spelled 
uh, S-N-O-W-T-H-S, as opposed to S-N-O-U-T-H-S. They look the same, but the pacing is now more precise. Uh, the two snoots now interact with each other rather than moving in perfect lockstep, and for a fleeting moment, uh, one of them seems to consider giving in to Menominee's joyful chorus, uh, giving him an absent half-nod before returning to a dismissive shake of the head. Rather than the bland soprano of previous inc- incarnations, the Snoats' voices the Snoats voices are now clearly those of Henson's inseparable partner Frank Oz, best known as the voice of Miss Piggy. Uh, what's more, the backing band swings as never before, culminating in the machine gun blast of a snare drum as a disheartened Menominee gets a second wind, sprinting toward the camera from the distant background. So Menominee has been has been reworked and restaged endless times since, but each version owes a debt to that Muppet Show debut, a miniature masterpiece that can be watched and rewatched dozens of times without losing its shine. And as a father of a four, soon to be five-year-old, I can speak to that firsthand. Uh, we have watched it God knows how many times. And listened to it on Spotify, listened to the record, found every clip we could on YouTube. I mean, it's become a staple in the house. As a result of its Muppet Show debut, the original Piero recording finally became a hit in the UK, number eight on the UK charts in May of 1977, where the Muppet Show soundtrack album featuring the Muppets version went to number one. It was at that point that the name Menomina and the Snoths was given the incorrect title of Menomina and the Snoths with the W, right? Uh, which has served as the definitive spelling ever since. Uh, the single from the album Halfway Down the Stairs reached the top 10 in the UK charts, making the song appear three times in the... Ch- oh, when the B-side of that, when it was released as a single, was Menomina, although Menomina was also released with the Halfway Down the Stairs as its B-side. Whatever the case, it made the song appear three times in the charts at the same time, albeit as a B-side. The Piero Humanali version, and also a track on the album, and it laid the groundwork for yet another sublime comic bit, which illustrates just how enduring the Muppets version has proved to be. So there you go. Uh, so what is a short nonsense song the fact that it has endured as long as it has and you know it's arguably the most catchy song from the entire series with like dozens of catchy songs and catchphrases and all that uh like i said before you know it's been a staple in the house for for months now and you know i mean weeks months at this point and uh it doesn't look like it's going anywhere anytime soon so just for sheer sheer enjoyability and just earworm ability right i'll give it a five out of five it's so goddamn catchy and fun and just great. And like you can, like I said, you can sing along and it's it's essentially a bullshit song. Like Menomenon doesn't mean anything in the, in the in the actual chorus. Like his, like he just scats and like doesn't ever actually say any words. So you can really just kind of do whatever you want with it, right? As long as you're, I guess, in time and with the melody and all that. So it's fun. So that's it for me this week. It's kind of a short one. Uh, again, I was just itching to record something, so I figured I'd dive into this weird-ass song with an even weirder history. So uh, be sure to subscribe now, right? Get ready. Be on the lookout for new episodes in August. And who knows, when the kids go back to school and everything sort of gets back to normal, uh, scheduling-wise, I maybe will start to do these types of, of episodes like this. Uh, not as full episodes, but uh, the mini-episodes, you know, start doing those again, have those back in the rotation. Um, and then again, still having the full, uh, album spanning episodes. Correct. Right. So, uh, we'll see though. You know, I'm excited to get back to it and I'm excited to kind of give everyone here a little teaser, right? A little, um, 
this, you know, a little something, a little, a little morsel, right? Who knows? I might drop another surprise episode next month, you know, and then we'll, we'll see how things go. So until then, as always, I'm Jeremy Levine, and I hope to be in your ears next week. So take care, everybody. Thank you. <laughs>